Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast. This is your host, Will. I am unfortunately not joined here today by my co-host, Jaren, but nonetheless, I will be going ahead and churning out this podcast for you guys. Today, we will be getting into the Mavericks 108-112 to clutch time loss versus the Memphis Grizzlies, game 72 of the season. Um, I think it honestly kind of begs the question at this point, is this Mavericks team one of the worst clutch time teams in the NBA? And this seems kind of obscene after they come off a game winner for Maxi Kleber in that Lakers game. But we just see time in and time out. This team have these fourth quarter collapses or they're playing down to their opponent. Maybe it's not even necessarily anything that has to do with their clutch time record as much as it is the Mavericks just folding when they're up, getting too comfortable, maybe you know, is the are the Mavericks the most comfortable team in the NBA? I think that that is an extremely fair question. The Mavericks' four, fourth quarter offense just completely stalled out in this one. Kyrie Irving, um, he had it really rough down the stretch. A guy who's notorious as a fourth quarter killer, he was unable to hit a shot. And to I me, mean, to his credit, he you know you could tell that he was a little bit hampered by that right foot soreness, especially after a, a third quarter sort of or maybe a second quarter, if I actually recall, uh, re-aggravation after Dylan Brooks was kind of plowing through him uh, on a sc- as he was screen navigating, and he ended up stepping on Kyrie's foot, and Kyrie kind of re-aggravated that foot. So I don't know if that was in play there, but he had a really rough fourth quarter, as did the rest of the team. The Mavericks only scored a cumulative 12 points in the fourth quarter, uh, really only nine because Christian Wood got like three essentially kind of garbage time free throws when the Grizzlies kind of had this, the game sealed away there late. But it, and the Mavericks were up by 14 around the end of the third. So it was just a really rough endeavor from that perspective that the Mavericks couldn't even find it within themselves to put up a front or put this one away. It wasn't, I mean, they had a relatively good defensive game, uh, contrary to some of the games of late. And the offense just was such an albatross in that fourth quarter uh, to quote some of those ESPN guys like Stephen A. It, it was completely asinine and I'll be getting all into it today, of course. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for podcasters. All right. So getting into this one, it was essentially just the same story, different day for the Mavericks in regards to this whole lead blowing scenario that has persisted throughout I don't know, too many games to count on two hands this season. (laughs) Odd way to put it, but it at least has been like over 10 to 15 games where the Mavericks have played down to an opponent or blew a double-digit lead that they held going into the fourth quarter or had, you know, at the beginning of the fourth quarter or something of that nature. Anything around that or marginally around that, the Mavericks have struggled with mightily all year. And you know, they actually played quite well for really the first, I don't know, 40 minutes of the game. And just those last eight minutes, they completely fell off a cliff. So let's get into those first 40 minutes and what went well for the Mavericks. And then 
what seemingly fell off a cliff for them in those last eight minutes. So in that first quarter, the Mavericks definitely struggled a lot with Jaron Jackson Jr.'s presence, uh, particularly his ability as a rim protector to kind of just freelance on one of the Mavericks' worst defenders and, and Dwight Powell and kind of just um, s- sort of stray off of him and then act as a help side uh, rim protector. And he, the Grizzlies were huge benefactors of that. I believe Jaron Jackson was – he only got accredited one block in this game, but he altered a lot of shots. And he got called for like two or three goaltendings that uh, were very, I'm not going to say ticky tacky, but they were very close calls. So that was something that severely uh, inhibited the Mavericks there in that first quarter. But conversely, the Mavericks were getting some steals. They were actually uh, pushing the tempo and transition. The Mavericks really didn't force the issue in terms of turnovers at any other point in this game, really barring that first quarter. Uh, We saw the Mavericks uh, actually kind of convert uh, transition opportunities into transition opportunities for themselves, um, like transition opportunities for the Grizzlies. The, the Mavericks were doing a good job playing the passing lanes and just getting out in front of things on long misses, uh, you know, threes that hit the back iron. The Mavericks were running, and uh, they, they were definitely benefactors of that in terms of how it uh, kind of went in tandem with their offensive flow. Um, Josh Green was able to leak out for a few throughout the course of this game, and, you know, the Mavericks were just creating – you know, five on four scenarios, four and three scenarios um, within that transition game. And it was leading to some open threes. The Mavericks only went 11 of 36 on threes for the night. And, you know, that those shooting woes are definitely what kind of uh, veered them off course. Definitely in that second half that goes uh, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But throughout that first half, they really weren't doing the worst job. and you know, despite the effect that Jaron Jackson Jr. was having up early on, he got in a little foul trouble and the Mavericks were persistent in terms of their ability to keep attacking him. And the Mavericks were able to roll into the second quarter with a little momentum. They were only down 28 to 30 and they won the second quarter, 32 to 27. Um, Christian Wood, he's a guy who played relatively well in that second quarter. Jaden Hardy, he caught fire a little bit during that second quarter, uh, even more so, particularly in the third and fourth quarter. And this guy was kind of at the end of the first quarter, and he played very sparingly throughout this one, particularly really only at the end of the first quarter. But Frank Nitlikina, after being, you know, two days removed from their last game, Justin Holiday did not play tonight for the Mavericks, uh, nor did JaVale McGee, who I thought was worth mentioning because Dwight Powell did get in foul trouble early. He only played 12 minutes in this game, and he had three fouls, like, right off the bat. So, I think even the broadcast crew, you know, Harp and Followell were a little bit surprised that McGee didn't play in this one. So just wanted to mention that I wasn't necessarily too head over heels about that decision process. I don't think that JaVale McGee is marginally even changing any, you know, the direction of any game. You know, he may in a few, but there's just we have too much of a track record from him this year of him just having this sort of wishy-washy play where he could have, you know, one or two really good games and then just an abomination for weeks on end. And I, that, that's obviously the reason he hasn't played a lot. But nonetheless, the Mavericks were definitely able to remediate some of the um, that pressure that Jaron Jackson Jr. was putting on the rim, uh, both offensively and defensively there in the second quarter, because 
Dwight Powell was getting eight alive in that first quarter by Jaron Jackson Jr. He was honestly, I mean, he was, there were times where he would just post him up straight up, uh, where he was getting a lot of offensive rebounds, or he would just take him the per- from the perimeter, give him like a spin move. And I mean, it was a tough ask. The Mavericks weren't bringing that weak side help defender, but they started going to some more two big lineups towards the end of the first quarter and the second quarter. And that seemed to work as a sort of um, solution to the whole Jaron Jackson Jr. situation because the Mavericks were able to, you know, stick one big on him and kind of rotate, you know, one of Maxi or even Bertans at times over to uh, help when Jackson Jr. got in the lane. And, you know, he, he, ex- he experienced some struggles because of that. It definitely didn't uh, completely inhibit his ability, you know, Jackson's not the best passer in the world, so he, he kind of does get tunnel vision at times going to the rim, which was nice. Um, it definitely didn't completely obstruct what he was doing. He was still getting through it at, during certain points, and the Mavericks didn't always bring the double on time, but it definitely slowed him down a bit, and the Mavericks offense started to really click, and Kyrie um, started to really catch fire. He knocked down you know, a three or two. He, he was really the sort of steady tide at the Mavericks road in terms of their offense throughout that first quarter. But in that second quarter, man, I mean, he, he had some crazy plays. He had this one um, play in particular where he split a double team. And then he, I believe it was on John Conchar where he just did this insane Euro step, you know, does the whole ball bring over thing for you guys watching on YouTube. You can see what I'm doing with my hands. And uh, then he jellies it uh, with his right hand on the left side of the glass and it was just an incredible play. He was kind of getting to the rim at will, really acting as that three-level score that the Mavericks sorely need with Luka Doncic out. I mean, he was – he had 20 points in the first half, and for all the talk that persisted with Dylan Brooks in this one, and there that was a huge narrative, I thought, from this game uh, that kind of got overshadowed by the Mavericks' offensive struggles in the fourth quarter. Um, but Kyrie shut him up after Dylan Brooks – about a week ago when the Mavericks and Grizzlies played, kind of called out the Mavericks' two superstars, Kyrie and Luka, that is, of course, for not playing in that game, even though they were battling their own respected injuries. And, you know, he's kind of been just unhinged with some of the things he's been saying recently. And he, I think he thinks he's just on cloud nine or whatever. Uh, but nonetheless, the guy, you know, I'm not going to say he's all talk, no game. He can back it up a little bit. Um, but just some of his claims are just completely baseless. And I mean, he's just looking for smoke. And uh, if that's going to be the case, if we're taking Kyrie versus Dylan Brooks and we're taking Kyrie 1 million times out of 10, this Dylan Brooks, even being comparable to Kyrie uh, agenda that he's trying to push within himself or within the Grizzlies fan base. I mean, he kind of adopts this whole us against the world mentality against like every single team. And, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just not feeling it. He's, I think he's severely overblowing it. Nobody has really picked any battles with him. I mean, it's not even the playoffs yet. And Kyrie cooked his ass throughout a very large portion of this game, really until the fourth quarter, where a lot of Kyrie's woes were probably um, sort of self-derived. Uh, maybe some of it had to do with that injury, like I had alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. But Dylan Brooks is he's just he's a huge chirper man and I mean I'm not gonna say he doesn't back it up at all uh, but he definitely doesn't back it up enough that's to to say the absolute least of course and you know he was the primary defender on Kyrie Irving throughout the first half and 
Kyrie had 20 points, eight of 13 shooting was just doing a seamless job, you know, kind of running off those curl offs at times, uh, cutting baseline to baseline uh, and receiving posts to where he could operate in the mid range. You know, Kyrie has that you know, sort of spin fade away in the post that is just absolutely lethal, like within side 10 to 15 feet, nailed a few of those pull up threes, um, was splitting double teams, you know, was taking guys off the dribble. I mean, just that sort of quintessential playmaking shot creator that any team would welcome. And I mean, it's just a blessing. I can't wait to have him and Luca back together, but nonetheless, obviously it didn't work out for the Mavericks tonight, which was a uh, very depressing, but for Kyrie to be battling throughout, you know, some of this foot soreness and some of the issues that he's, he's going through at the moment and still giving 110% when he's out there, he jumped for a loose ball in that second quarter that I don't even know how he got to and saved in bounds. And of course, the whole thing with Dylan Brooks for him to, you know, he went and got his ankle taped up. He was doing the stretches on the bench and everything and finished the whole game, you know, didn't have the best finish. Everybody has off days. Kyrie definitely has a lot more good days than he has off days to say the absolute least. Um, But that fourth quarter was just kind of emblematic of him experiencing maybe some woes injury related or non-injury related. And, uh, but he still battled through it, man. And you got to give it to him. He's a, he's a trooper for that, but um, during the second quarter, of course, the Mavericks obviously re- re- led the – oh, my gosh. Re- <laughs> I cannot get this one. I apologize, guys. They rode the coattails of Kyrie as well as, you know, some hot shooting. They were pushing the ball uh, continually, as I'd allude to. Reggie Bullock made a few threes. Uh, Jaden Hardy, I think, made one or two in that second quarter. Uh, just step backs where guys would go under him on screens. He was pulling it tonight, man. He had no fear. Um, he's – you're we're seeing him get over that rookie wall uh, just from a confidence perspective. I mean, I don't necessarily think that was somewhere where he ever lacked, but there were times where, you know, you could tell that he could have maybe took a little bit more heed and he deferred uh, when he shouldn't have uh, just because of, you know, having a mess up or, you know, having a clumsy turnover or, you know, looking inept trying to drive to the basket on like three defenders at times. But I think that, in this game, you know, and really the last few games at large, we're seeing as the end of the season evolves that, you know, he's has that sort of next play mentality, you know, Hey, I got to flush this and I got to keep going. And that's been really good to see. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the Mavericks go into halftime leading, I believe um, 60 to 57. They have, you know, this sort of slim marginal lead, but they severely slow down the, the Grizzlies from, a defensive perspective, the Mavericks team defense, uh, really for those first three quarters. I mean, even the fourth quarter, um, you, we saw a little bit more slippage, I guess, when it mattered most, but I just think overall from a team perspective, like the Mavericks defense looked consistently more stout, uh, more communicative. I, I know we can't necessarily, um, accurately depict that because, it's not like, you know, I have like audio clips to present to you guys where I can hear every single thing. You know, this is a FedEx forum. We don't got the AAC basket mics that are notorious for being very loud. But um, nonetheless, the Mavericks still were able to anchor down and rotate well and, you know, jump those passing lanes. And they were doing a really good job closing out on shooters throughout large portions of this game. I thought, you know, I'll, I'll get more into how every guy sort of fared individually from that perspective. Cause I think certain guys did better than others. 
Um, but just team wide, I think they did a much better job than they have done recently. And I mean, I think they're picking up the, um, they're, they're raising the bar a little bit in terms of their defense. I, I think ever so slightly, you know, just kind of barely and marginally, but I mean, you take whatever you can get at this juncture in the season with 10 games left. The Mavericks only have 10 games left. I mean, that's why this one stinks so much guys, because it was literally just right there for the taking and just literally the offense stalling out um, is the only reason that the Mavericks lost this, but you know, I, I thought the team defense was better, especially once they started, um, you know, trapping late on D Jaron Jackson Jr. or bringing a help side defender. That was able to remediate a lot of the woes that they were having, but they still, you know, at during different stretches, particularly during that fourth quarter, they started conceding some threes and they were kind of, I, it just seemed as if there was a little bit more of a cushion for the Grizzlies to operate with. Um, the Mavericks tapped into some zone in the third and fourth quarter for very brief stretches, might I add. I mean, it wasn't anything that was consistent, but it, you know, it kind of, that's more just of a personnel issue at that point, right? Because it did, did seem as if the Mavericks had, you know, really made a concerted effort to stop Jaron Jackson Jr. and his dribble drive game and his post-up game and just the overall pressure he was uh, bringing into the uh, interior. Uh, but by doing that, it definitely, you know, guys are just a little bit more backed off off the perimeter, you know, if they, in case they need to help last minute or anything like that. And, the Grizzlies were doing a really good job moving the ball around the horn and, and they were getting shots up tonight, man. And they definitely had a little bit of negative regression in terms of their shooting tonight. Uh, but when it mattered most, they made a few threes uh, late in that fourth quarter. Santi Aldama, he was doing a really good job on the offensive glass. Rebounding was a, a huge issue. Another, another huge issue tonight as well. And I'll get into that. Um, but the Grizzlies only went 10 for 35 from three. And like I alluded to, you know, they had a little bit of negative regression, they shot basically just as bad as the Mavericks from three, but when it mattered most, you know, John Contra, I think, knocked in a three-pointer there late. Uh, Aldama may have had one. Kennard had one, I remember distinctly, where he came off a DHO, and it hit, like, the front rim and dropped in. And, I mean, you know, that's a hallmark of a really good team, even despite not having their best player, still being able to make shots when it matters most, despite having a rougher shooting game. This is a team that, I mean, they're – I don't know their exact three-point shooting numbers, but, you know, they – from the times that we played them, they've been kind of up and down in terms of their three-point shooting. But, I mean, they got guys that can make shots without a doubt. But, you know, Desmond Bain, one for seven tonight. You know, Dylan Brooks, one for four. They, they were having a rough go at it tonight, but they were able to really step up when it mattered most. And that's something the Mavericks unfortunately couldn't do, even though they did have better shooting – throughout most of the course of the game right and that definitely came to the Mavericks downfall um so I mean after you know Dallas goes off for 36 points in that third quarter despite Kyrie you know at re-aggravating that foot or whatever I believe in that third quarter from Dylan Brooks and everything the Mavericks are just doing a really good job you know continually pushing the pace they were running some they were running a lot of zoom actions for Kyrie's there was a lot of staggers that they ran uh with either of the point of attack ball handlers of which most of the time in the third quarter was either Josh or Kyrie um and particularly when it was with Kyrie there was just so much screen navigation and Grizzlies defenders uh flying everywhere and just a lot of confusion and the Mavericks really were able to 
opened up the offense because of that. You know, they were able to swing it around the horn at that point. Uh, they weren't necessarily creating like four and three scenarios, but uh, it definitely sort of threw the Grizzlies defense off kilter at times. And they, I mean, the Grizzlies have some studs defensively. So, I mean, that's really impressive. And the, a lot of Mavericks, you know, particularly like Green or even Reggie at times or Davis, they were all cutting and they were all attacking off closeouts. Uh, and they were just doing a really good job, like getting into the holes of the Grizzlies defense. I mean, the Grizzlies went to zone side stretches of this game, but they predominantly played man most of the time. And the Mavericks were just finding those gaps there in the third quarter. And that really led to them scoring that much, of course. And then the eventual downfall in the fourth quarter where the Mavericks, you know, they have a decent start. Christian Wood and Kyrie are sort of spearheading that attack as the, as the quarter ensues. Uh, Christian Wood, you know, he had a few good plays um, where he was operating late in the third and early fourth where, I mean, there was one play where like Davis caught the ball at, like the nail area and Christian, Christian Wood kind of just slipped a double team and was able to get a nice dunk. I mean, they, like I said, the Mavericks were just kind of pinpointing the nooks and crannies of the defense, something that we don't really see a whole lot of because the Mavericks obviously have to have a little bit more off ball movement uh, when they're not as, you know, they're obviously not going to be as cluttered um, with Luca and Kyrie out there just from an offensive, you know, movement perspective, it's not going to be as cluttered together. And that's not necessarily a bad thing or an indictment upon Luca or Kyrie, uh, but there's obviously a lot more ISO ball and, you know, guys get caught ball watching a little bit more. And that's not even, I mean, a lot of that's by design, of course. Uh, but, you know, there has to be a lot of more off-ball movement because the Mavericks just don't have other sources of offense. But nonetheless, um, you know, Kyrie, you know, I think he took a little bit of a break in that fourth quarter. Uh, but whenever he came back onto the court, the Mavericks had just had a drought where they missed like eight or nine straight field goals uh, leading down the stretch there after about the four or five minute mark, I want to say. And they just couldn't buy a shot. And um, the Grizzlies just slowly but surely chipped away to the lead until they were up. They outscored the Mavericks by 17 in that fourth quarter. And, I mean, the Mavericks even were getting good looks. They were creating space just as they were doing in that third quarter, like I alluded to, but they just weren't able to drop. Kyrie was having a rough go at it. I mean, they were sending two at him, and he was kind of forcing some shots late in the game. I think we could probably attribute some of it to him getting a little bit too overzealous with some of those attempts, just really trying to find his way after he was having some rough woes. But, I mean, just team-wide, the Mavericks just couldn't hit a shot. It was as simple as that. And, I mean, if you can't hit a shot when it matters like that, then, yeah, you're going to lose. They got outscored by 17 in the fourth quarter. And that's why I am talking about this as just such a degrading loss because, you know, down the stretch, like, the it was just there for the Mavericks taking. I mean, the Grizzlies just didn't have the most outrageous of, you know, insane comebacks. It wasn't like – the Mavericks were like up 30 and they simply just couldn't keep up with the insane pace of the Grizzlies three-point shooting or something like that. I mean, the Mavericks like literally just blew this and I don't have any sort of summation to it other than they couldn't hit a shot. Like I could try to get all intricate and talk about the schematics of everything offensively and what wasn't working. I mean, you could probably – maybe make the argument that with Kyrie injury hampered that they should have rode the coattails of some Jaden Hardy shooting. Cause he made two threes early on in that fourth quarter that were really huge. He was sort of, and he got to the rim. I mean, he scored like eight out of the Mavericks 12 points in the fourth quarter, which is 
uh, really saying something. He was doing a really good job leading the tie in the second half. Um, you know, him and Christian Wood working together in the role game really opens up a lot of space. So that that was a good tandem in that fourth quarter. But I mean, barring that, you know, you got your best players down the stretch in there. Uh, they rode Christian Wood out into that fourth quarter, who up until that point had a pretty good game. You know, he obviously had some offensive woes, but I mean, there was just a lot of like unfortunate breaks and bouts for the Mavericks. Like Christian Wood got an offensive rebound at one point and he traveled, uh, taking one extra step uh, and then try to get the you know ball back up there. And of course, it, it goes in just like a lot of like stupid stuff like that. And, you know, conversely, the Grizzlies, uh, you know, continue continually took shots despite uh, not necessarily having um the best shot diet all night you know a majority of their shots were you know going out the front rim or hitting back iron but they stayed persistent and they brought this one home and I mean just in terms of the degradation of the loss it really sucks because of the whole Dylan Brooks thing of course where he was just you know acting like an absolute clown he got he dunked on Maxi at one point in this game I believe in like the second or right after the Kyrie thing actually so maybe in the third quarter, but he dunks on Maxi, um, you know, beats. I can't. I think it was Kyrie off the dribble. Uh, Maxi's the help side defender, just can't get to him on time. And I mean, it's a fairly weak dunk, and he kind of grazes it over the rim with his left hand. And he excessively celebrates, and then gets his 18th technical of the year. So he's already served two suspensions. Uh, that would make me presume because he had a 16th and 17th already respectively. So he's already served two one game suspensions. Uh, he leads the NBA in technicals. So he gets a technical for that. I mean, I, I can, you know, I get the whole animated being passionate to it towards the crowd, but it's just like very extra for some of these plays. And, you know, he overreacts to every foul call and, you know, he plowed through Kyrie. There were some times throughout this game where he's kind of got like clobbering guys across the face and things of that nature. And, I mean, I'm hesitant to call anybody a dirty player necessarily. That's a very harsh tag. And, you know, I got to see like a very repeated track record for me to label a guy that. But I it goes without saying that he had some dirty plays tonight. I think we can all agree upon that. And it, just a general guy that yeah, you just – it's very hard if you're not a Grizzlies fan to like the aura of this guy. So you couple that with the factor of the Mavericks blowing, I think, like a 14-point lead at one point in that third quarter – it's just really rough for this juncture in the season because I think that there was a sort of um, preemptive, I wouldn't say uh, sort of like just know all that the Mavericks are, I know that was a weird way to put it, but I, I didn't have any sort of sense that like it was a for sure thing that they were going to win because the Mavericks have blown wins countlessly and, you know, timelessly all season, right? But there, there was a quiet confidence that, you know, this late in the year, you know, I think the Mavericks probably have enough wit to up into this point. It's game 72. They really need this game. Every win is paramount to them forwarding their playoff agenda at this point in the year. And, you know, you would you just hope that this team had a little bit more wherewithal and, and wit and in those gritty moments. And they don't. And uh, they they blow the lead they got comfortable that that's what irks me the most it wasn't necessarily even the clutch time offense I mean that happens to the best of us Mavericks had a good clutch time game right before this but the comfortability aspect and just you know just getting slightly looser on those defensive rotations 
uh, was that was pretty um, just by the eye test. You could see that as the Mavericks, as the game evolved over the end of the third and beginning of the fourth quarter. And it's just really, it's an unfortunate bout and there's no other way to put it. It just, it sucks. It really does suck that the Mavericks are in this position. And this team is just a hallmark of absolute inconsistency from game to game. I wish it was different, but it's not. And I don't really know what else to tell you guys other than, you know, we have nine games left or 10 games left and we need Luca back. And I had kind of denoted this on Twitter as really the last game that I thought they could afford to miss. I mean, the situation will get dire if, you know, particularly we don't even know what's going to be up with Kyrie status. If he has to miss a game or two because of these, um, because of his foot soreness. And I mean, the Mavericks are just in a, spot where they're two because of their two best players they have to try and make the play in or the playoffs or the, just get as high a seating as possible this is something that i have been pushing and you know most of people on mavs twitter can formally agree with but at the same time you know it obviously more, potentially be more beneficial if they got if they were able to keep their top 10 protected pick that's owed to new york uh, but dropping that much with 10 games left and you know, it would, it would, it would just have to be like so intentionally for them to have, you know, to be a guaranteed um, top or, or top 10 bottom team, if that makes any sense in the West, uh, in the NBA, uh, it would just, they would have to do so very intentionally. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. Now, obviously keep in mind that they can still be a top 14 bottom team and still end up, you know, getting a lottery pick and, getting their top 10 protected pick back, which, you know, that could be a scenario that presents itself, but the odds are obviously insurmountably lower at that point um, versus if they were actually within those bottom 10 spots. So we'll just have to see how the situation evolves, but nonetheless, as a Mavericks fan, you have to be pining for your team to make the playoffs. Even, you know, if secretly in your head, you know, you think this, this might be the best case scenario this is the situation that this team has put themselves in, but, you know, strangleholding themselves with the Kyrie Irving trade. And I use that term very gingerly because yes, the Kyrie Irving trade is a great thing from the Mavericks perspective that they got their second star uh, in the middle of his prime of his career, you know, maybe late prime, but he's still got at least two, three years of great basketball if he stays healthy, but they didn't address any of the concerns that all that, we're also kind of opened up by Dorian Finney-Smith leaving, but we're also already there and they're amplified even more so. And that's obviously the perimeter defense and the rim protection woes, which the Mavericks never really have had a rim protector all season. And that's obviously coming back to bite them at this juncture. Uh, they thought that maybe they could just get away with Kyrie and Luca, but you know, Luca has is experiencing the uh, just wear and tear of a very long season at this point. And you can tell that it's starting to eat at him, right? And we're seeing him miss a fifth straight game because of this thigh contusion. Hopefully he gets back soon. But, you know, as Jason Kidd said towards the beginning of the year, uh, we are going to see if he's, you know, either human or from another planet. And it's looking like Lucas human. And that's not to say that he's not an incredible basketball player, but obviously it's just hard to expect this from a guy uh, time in and time again you know, 72, 82 games throughout a whole NBA season and for him not to, you know, experience some sort of injury woes throughout it. And he had stayed relatively healthy. You know, he had missed a, had a couple, you know, little late 
cuts and stuff like that. I missed second nights of back-to-backs, but nothing like this up until this point in the season. Um, and it really does suck. And the Mavericks are just sort of barely scraping by, playing 500 basketball right now, 14-22 and 22 on the road. It's something that has to get fixed as soon as possible. And, you know, in terms of my confidence in this team this late in the year, it's definitely at like 50, 50, cause that's how they've operated all year. It's, you don't know exactly how this team's going to play on a given night. Right. And this, like I said, they're just the hallmark of absolute inconsistency. So we're going to have to see how this, these last 10 games end up evolving as I have obviously hammered throughout this whole podcast and other podcasts, but it's going to be largely dependent on, you know, when, how healthy Luca and Kyrie are. And that's, you know, one of the huge contributing factors. Uh, the rotation kind of is what it is at this point with 10 games left. I mean, I don't know how much more it's going to change up. You know, Christian Wood playing a little bit more as a nice uh, sweetener. Even, you know, I think Jason Kidd's kind of using him in the right lineups with two bigs and things of that nature to cover up uh, some of his rim protection woes. So, you know, you're getting that that extra little punch of offensive output. But, you know, a lot of it doesn't matter if Luca and Kyrie aren't healthy. So who knows what the ceiling is of this team? We'll get into that in other podcasts, especially as, you know, we get closer to the playoffs and stuff. But this loss definitely sucks, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but otherwise, I'll go ahead and get into some individual performances from this game as we look throughout the roster, kind of who played well and who didn't. First off, we have Maxi Kleber tonight. He was one of the few Mavericks that actually did a good job boxing out tonight against a conglomerate of Grizzlies guys, you know, between Tillman, Aldama, and Jaron Jackson Jr. that were just hammering the Mavericks on the boards. That was another big reason. I mean, obviously the Mavericks, you know, just being a smaller team and what have you, you know, they got out-rebounded 37-50 to 50 tonight, and that was, that was a pretty big reason uh, as to why the Grizzlies brought this home because they created a lot of second possessions with a lot of those offensive rebounds. The Mavericks had eight offensive rebounds tonight. The Grizzlies had 17. And, you know, some games, the rebounding matters more than not. It's not something that, you know, I'm going to hammer the uh, nail right on the head as hard as other fans because I think rebounding in the modern NBA can be mitigated to some extent. Like if you're a bad rebounding team, uh, just if you have all the other uh, parts in place to remediate that, you know, just by being – you know, a, a very, you know, perimeter defensive oriented inclined team. And, you know, you opt to play a little more small ball. You can kind of get away with some rebounding uh, issues at times if, you know, you're always just running and, you know, you're go, 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 really fast paced team. But uh, the Mavericks are not necessarily that, I guess, <laughs> uh, to say the least. And their size does come back to bite them in some games. Some games it doesn't because they, you know, they play opponents with not – to all dissimilar issues to themselves. But in a game against a Grizzlies team like that, who does, even with Brandon Clark and Steven Adams out, they're still going to sort of up the ante in terms of their size in the front court versus the Mavericks. And they obviously had a lot of those woes. But Maxi Kleber himself did a fairly good job tonight. He was doing a really good job as a help side defender after maybe some early bouts in that department where he wasn't rotating as well. But, I mean, offensively, he just wasn't really doing a whole lot tonight after, you know, and I'm not, I'm not really – knocking him or anything. I liked uh, the starting lineup that the Mavericks went to with him, Bullock, Kyrie Irving, and Dwight Powell. I like the whole two-big dynamic that the Mavericks are doing, and I thought Maxie's athleticism 
he was looking a little bit better tonight. He definitely looked a little bit more spry, like he was guarding on the perimeter a little bit better, was helping and stuff like that. But, I mean, he just didn't get too many looks offense offensively. He missed two threes, and I believe, like, he was either a pull-up jumper or, like, a layup or something. And then he made two free throws uh, when he, like, attacked off a closeout and did this little, like, fadeaway thing, and he got fouled. So good game from him, but nothing incredibly special. Uh, you would like to at least see Maxi hit one or two threes a game. I think that that's a sort of standard benchmark we could come to expect from him um, as he ramps up his health going to the playoffs. We're seeing it a little bit, but otherwise I thought he did a good job. He did a good job rotating the ball tonight, uh, just being a good ball mover, had four assists. Reggie Bullock, he made a three tonight, got out in transition a couple times. Was another guy who did a good job as a ball mover, but didn't necessarily get the most amount of looks tonight. Um, as the Grizzlies defense starts scrambling a little bit more in that second half, very average game from him. Dwight Powell obviously got into early foul trouble, as I alluded to. He did. He was having a really rough time against Jaron Jackson Jr. There were a couple times where Jackson slacked off him so hard that he was able to attack him, and I think he got like one or two buckets because of that. Um, but I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. disrupts everything in the dunker spot uh, by his ability to close out on guys from really deep, but also backtrack to Powell if he needs to and disrupt any sort of the pick and rolls the Mavericks are running. And once Powell got into foul trouble trying to guard him at the other end, it just kind of severely mitigated his effects. Even with, you know, bringing another help side defender, just off that starting lineup with Maxi having a little bit um, of an issue of rotating and helping throughout those first six minutes, it kind of hindered Dwight's effects throughout the rest of the game as we only saw him play 12 minutes and, the Mavericks went to Christian Wood throughout large stretches of this game because, you know, he wasn't as in bad of foul trouble and he was playing a little bit better offensively because he has that ability to stretch the floor, which Dwight does, does not. And against a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., that just severely limits you with how good he is at the rim. So I think that that was um, – that's basically the summation of how Dwight played tonight. And, it, you know, it's a pretty bad game from him, but not necessarily his fault. It's a tough position for him to be in. You know, that's – we know that he's not going to be able to do that uh, necessarily in terms of being able to play both ends wire to wire against Jaron Jackson Jr. So it just kind of is what it is. Kyrie Irving, I talked kind of at nauseum about him already. He had zero assists in this game, which I did kind of want to pinpoint um, because, it, you know, that he we just can't afford to have that happen, especially, you know, late in the game. I mean, I know. Jackson Jr. is just such a defensive, you know, valve, and he can really remediate possessions that and patch things up that maybe the Grizzlies otherwise shouldn't get away with. Uh, but even then, I mean, you got to be able to find, you know, some nooks and crannies in the defense at some point. Mavericks um, shooters were really not making anything tonight. Uh, but Kyrie was kind of ball dominant. You did see him kind of force the issue with some of those shots down the stretch, but he, he played so well in the first half and was uh, he was knocking down so much that I don't want to just knock him too heavily from that assist aspect. But there were, and you know he did a great job on defense tonight. He had two blocks, uh, he had a steal, and he was just hustling his ass off, man. I mean he was doing you know the swipe down if he got even blown by for a second. You know there were times that Bain or Brooks blow blew by him, and he was just doing a really good job. Uh, with the swipe down and everything like that, you know, knocking it off guys, knees, getting the ball out of bounds, just really savvy. He was doing a great job rotationally and helping, but 
you'd like to see him, you know, just be a little bit better playmaking, find the gaps in the defense a little bit more. The Grizzlies did a good job of um, rotating and scrambling, as I had alluded to, uh, throughout most of that second half. But, you know, even so, a guy like Kyrie, he's got to have more than zero assists. I mean, point blank, right? But he had a really good first half shooting the ball after he re-aggravated that injury. He had a rough time getting it going. Um, you know, throughout that first half, just doing his typical – his ability, you know, as I already talked about his off ball movement and how he was, you know, using that to get in some of those post fadeaway mid range jump shots. But I mean, even in that third quarter, he was just doing a really good job, like probing and snaking on these pick and rolls, getting into the lane and creating space for himself as well as others. Even if he didn't get any assists, I mean, he creates a lot of space for others, especially as I kind of allude to with those hockey assists uh, where he swings it to another guy and they get to another guy on the perimeter. The Mavericks move the ball around the horn because of the, you know, if you run Kyrie off like a double stagger one way and then the other, that's going to confuse the hell out of the defense more often than not. And it's going to create some sort of mismatch that the Grizzlies can't scram switch um, out of. And, you know, you're going to see the Mavericks offense really start to get humming uh, with some of the looks that they're able to create. But just in that second half, the Mavericks were not able to do enough of that. And just in terms of making the shots, because they were getting, Fairly decent looks, but it was what it was. But Kyrie, he played a pretty good game. But besides the third and fourth quarter, which were honestly like a pretty big abomination from him. But, I mean, everybody has off games. And I just – I mean, he just not like he had a lot of turnovers. I just attribute a lot of his woes to just having a bad shooting night. And it sucks. There were times where I wish he would have diverted maybe to Wood or Hardy a little bit more when he just really couldn't get it going. There were some overzealous shots and um, just maybe some bad takes from him. But other than that, I mean, I'm not going to – Knock him beyond that. He had 28 points, led the Mavericks in scoring tonight and had a really good first half. So Josh Green, he had a very good game offensively, kind of got his groove back from that aspect. The Mavericks ran him off some GHOs, let him bring the ball up a, a little bit more, um, especially in a game without Luka. But with Kyrie, I was glad to see Josh be a little bit more aggressive offensively. Uh, I think it was something that they talked about pre-game with him just needing to attack a little bit more because, you know, ever since Luka and Kyrie – um have been playing together and you know obviously not past the past five games but it seemed as if ever since you know Josh Green's role was rescinded for those two games from the starting lineup in route to playing Justin Holiday who didn't play tonight by the way it, it kind of just seems as if his confidence it took a shot and you know in the games that Kyrie and Luca were both out obviously he was still taking heed uh in tandem with Jaden Hardy with a lot of the offense but now uh we're seeing him get a little bit of his aggressiveness back which is really good and he was able to get to the rim, you know, just there was one play in particular where he kind of faked Jaron Jackson Jr. off a little like give and go type deal with Dwight Powell in that third quarter. And that was really impressive. In fact, that he was able to make a layup over him and he was just doing a really good job getting downhill. He took a few dumb shots and got his absolute shit swatted by Xavier Tillman one play. But otherwise, I thought he played a pretty good game, but still defensively, he's getting blown by. He's out of position a lot more despite the speed and you know, he's just being a little bit preemptive on some of these closeouts where he's going hard and he's not anchoring down to a stance and he's, you know, steel hunting at times. And I just want to get away from that. We've seen him kind of do that ever since he got revoked from the starting lineup. So that's something that he's got to patch up. And, you know, he's obviously hasn't been shooting the best lately, but I did like the way that he played offensively, getting downhill and running in transition tonight. Christian Wood, I thought, played a fairly decent game. We saw a couple times where he got blown by by Santi Aldama and you know who's not particularly the blow by master uh, but he did a really good job 
establishing himself within the non-Kyrie minutes and taking control of the Mavericks offense. Yeah, he went six for 13 tonight, but he was getting to the free throw line and he was attacking mismatches accordingly. Uh, the Mavericks were setting him up throughout, you know, multiple different um, pick actions to get him those mismatches and against any like sort of, you know, shorter week uh, or not shorter, no, no, not weaker, but shorter Grizzlies bigs like Tillman or even Aldama, who he just has a little bit of a skill gap advantage over. He was, you know, doing his best and his darndest to get inside and get to the rim. He wasn't settling. You know, he he made, he took three threes, but he, he knocked in one of them. And he was just doing a really good job attacking. And they obviously – and tonight they ran a little bit more, like, direct Kyrie actions with him, which was solid to see, and that created some space for him. And, you know, he was slipping to the hole a little bit more, got some buckets in the pick and roll. and. You know, they the Mavericks went to him in the four and three scenario a few times, and he was able to distribute out of that. He pushed the ball in transition, another good assist night for him. Six assists, nine rebounds. Pretty damn good game from him. You know, he had 20 points. He struggled a little bit down the stretch, and he had some a few bad turnovers. Um, otherwise, I didn't think the defensive woes were really that all too bad. I, I thought he played relatively pretty good tonight. Um, but and I'm glad the Mavericks rode him down the stretch. I thought that was the right move, but you know, not the most insane game from him, but he definitely played pretty good off the bench. Davis came in, he knocked in a three, uh, actually played some decent defense. They used him in those two big lineups, as I alluded to, when Maxi had to get a little bit of a breather and Powell was still in foul trouble. Uh, they used him in those two big lineups with Wood, and he tried his ass off on defense, man, against Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, obviously couldn't hold up some possessions, but he came in, played some solid minutes for what it's worth in terms of his team defense. And you know, kind of had a rougher go going in terms of his shooting tonight, but made a three. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? Um, even though, you I mean, you obviously can ask for more more threes for him to make, but on a rougher shooting night, it is what it is. Tim Hardaway Jr., he just wasn't really too aggressive in this one. You know, he was questionable coming into this one. Um, still kind of having some injury bouts. And, you know, obviously in the last game, he was kind of dealing with that too. You can see it's inhibiting him a little bit out there just in terms of his aggressiveness and he couldn't really get anything going offensively. He only shot four shots tonight, which is very uncharacteristic of him. Um, you know, he made one pull-up mid-range jump shot on the baseline, played 25 minutes, but you can see where the Mavericks didn't go to him down the stretch when he's not having a good offensive game like that. There's just no reason to play him down the stretch because the defense just isn't worth it. But, you know, I'm not going to say he, like, struggled mightily, but I would have liked to see him, you know, oddly enough, this sounds like a sort of um, – non-applicable criticism to Tim Hardaway Jr., but I, I would have liked to see him be a little bit more aggressive and try to find his own uh, his own shot tonight. But I thought he rotated well. He had a few good uh, steals where he jumped the passing lanes, uh, some, you know, Grizzlies penetration and kicks. So, you know, he's, like I said, he's a decent, um, you know, man defender, and he, he can stick to his guy and get some steals as a benefactor, uh, or kind of just as a result of that. But – he obviously, you know, struggles within the team concept a little bit more. So it was nice to see him actually jump a few passing lanes and, you know, get be just kind of savvy in terms of his defensive rotations tonight. Frank Nilekina came in for like seven minutes and provided some of the best basketball I've seen him play all season. He made two threes off of like guard pick and rolls. And on top of that, he did a really good job um, just attacking and kicking out. He was doing a really good job penetrating and kicking. He played some good defense at the other end. Um, but other than that, he just didn't get a whole lot of bites at the apple. And on this one, unfortunately, the Mavericks opted to go to him instead of Justin Holiday, which was odd. But other than that, um, 
I was surprised that he didn't play a little bit more, but he, you know, when he was in there, he played good. I, I don't really know if that's a, an applicable criticism of Jason Kidd from a rotation perspective, because I mean, we're talking marginally at the end of the bench, but it was an, it was good that Frank came in and provide some valuable minutes for the Mavericks. And the last guy we'll be getting into today is going to be Jaden Hardy, of course. And I thought that he had an excellent game. He was doing a really good job on just taking what the defense gave him, you know, diagnosing pick and roll coverages. Um, if guys are going under, he was pulling for that step back three and he was draining it confidently. I talked about him a little earlier in the podcast already, but, you know, I thought he did decent defensively as well. And, you know, if, you know, guys, if there was, they were playing any sort of drop scheme with Jaron Jackson Jr., he was doing a good job kind of synchronizing into some of those mid-range jump shots and also knowing when to attack. Like I kind of, you know, I talked at nauseum about him at the beginning of the podcast, just with the whole rookie wall complex and everything like that. But I mean, he played an excellent game and I think it's got to a point for me at least where he needs to at least be featured within the rotation consistently because he's had too many important moments and too many important games to where it's just negligible going into the playoffs. I think he's at least got to get like 10 to 15 minutes for, you know, the experience aspect, but also like he actually contributes to that team. I don't think that that argument is, I don't think that that argument applies anymore where it's just like, you can't play Hardy because he didn't contribute. I think that we, you know, he has a proven track record up until this, this point in the season where, you know, where these last like 20 or 30 games or so when he gets his opportunities, he, he cashes them in more often than not. So you'd like to see him, um, play more because of that and you know he may not get the craziest shot every time that he goes out there and he may not get the most amount of minutes or you know he may not have the best game but he can help marginally man and I, I think that he just is so good as a, from a tertiary ball handling perspective that you just could really use his extra boost that he gives and he's not ter- he's not a black hole defensively um so I, I have a call to at least see consistent Jaden Hardy minutes, even if they're not a whole lot. I'm okay if they're not a whole lot, but as long as they're consistent, uh, I, I'm, I've gotten to that place with him. Uh, so otherwise, gripes with the rotation tonight. Um, you know, I thought the whole Frank-Justin situation was weird, but the way Frank was playing, I mean, I would have liked to see him play a little bit more, especially as the Mavericks could have, I mean, oddly enough, I mean, he was playing good offense. So I don't know. I just thought that they could have maybe used a little bit of a boost defensively. Uh, on the perimeter, you know, they always can. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I thought, you know, you may have, I would have liked to see them go to him a little bit more. Um, other than that, though, like just a really lo- a rough outing and from the perspective that they dropped the lead. And that, that's really what it comes down to because it was there, there for the taking, but and it, it just sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> uh, otherwise, though, guys that impressed me from the Grizzlies perspective, Tyus Jones, man. He's just so savvy. I mean, he's one of the best backup point guards in the league, but he is extremely tough because it seems as if he plays every single pick and roll uh, in terms of his ability to probe and take what the defense gives him just like exactly right, finds every single gap or dishes to the exact right guy. He only had one turnover tonight in 35 minutes, went seven for 10, uber efficient from the field, 16 points. He played, you know, hell of a game. I already talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. a ton, like, you know, made a three tonight. But other than that, man, like he was just killing the Mavericks inside, getting to the basket on Dwight Powell, whoever was guarding him for that matter, whether it was Davis, Maxi, Christian Wood, eating them alive on the offensive glass. He had three offensive rebounds. Um, We're out to 28 points. He did a hell of a game. Um, Dylan Brooks, you know, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about him. He went three for nine. He sucks. 
and I've talked about him enough this podcast. Uh, Desmond Bain, he had a rough outing shooting-wise, but he was still getting downhill per usual and, um, you know, doing that his whole penetration and kick action. But he did have a few clumsy turnovers. He had six turnovers in this one, and uh, the Grizzlies only had 11 as a team. But I don't know. I mean, from that perspective, you'd like to see him – if you're a Grizzlies fan, of course, you'd like to see him control a little bit the ball a little bit more, especially for a guy that's – seen you know kind of as a remediating force and and more of a you know sort of you know calm down to you know some of the crazy hectic stuff that jaw does when he's out there sometimes but you know when you give a guy like that increased responsibility sometimes stuff like that happens but you know he, he didn't shoot the ball well but he definitely helped them a lot in this game Santi Aldama man he had 14 rebounds five offensive and nine and nine defensive and I mean he gave the Mavericks issues rebounding the ball tonight um and he was just doing a really good job attacking off closeouts at times you know he made a few threes uh got to the free throw line a bunch because of those offensive rebounds and he just ate the Mavericks alive from that perspective and he just seems like always like one of these like end of the bench role players always goes off against the Mavericks uh when they're playing the Grizzlies and you know tonight it was just because of the rebounding woes and I mean I'm not gonna say that you know he he basically dominated from the, the bigs perspective uh, you know, really playing as a four, like he was the second big in most of these Grizzlies lineups. Uh, but he just does a really good job, like, you know, getting guys on his hips and crabbing guys. Uh, but like I said, he just kind of dominated in every single aspect um, as a big, uh, really besides, you know, defensively, the Mavericks were able to still kind of score on him. But I mean, he, he had a hell of a game, man. Um, other than that, Luke Kennard, he played uh, relatively well tonight. He had, you know, he came off a few, he just, really good at relocating as a shooter made that one three off that DHO. That was like kind of like total BS. Uh, doesn't play as bad defense as I think he gets knocked for. And I mean, he's just really savvy. Um, and, you know, finds gets within the gaps and stuff. So he had a, he had a good game. Conchar, great hustle player, got seven rebounds tonight. One of the best rebounding kind of like wings and wings, you know, hybrid wing guards, whatever you want to call it um in the league and he played a good game tonight uh David Roddy he didn't have as near as good a game as he did the first couple Mavericks games but there were still a few plays where he hustled hard and he came away with six boards tonight and you know played some decent defense so that's really all I got for you guys today it was a really unfortunate and sucky loss but I mean we just take this game by game at this point hope Luca comes back that's all we can do make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs make sure to Follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever listening platform you are on. Give us a five-star rating if you so please. We would really appreciate it. Appreciate it. And if you guys could review for us, make sure if you guys are watching on YouTube, shout out to the YouTube gang to like, comment, and subscribe. The Mavericks next game, since Jaron isn't here, I got to get this for you guys. Let me pull it up. The Mavericks next game is going to be against... The Golden State Warriors at 6.30 on March 22nd. So that is going to be Wednesday. And Comet, how do you think going from game to game, the interactions will be um, versus the Warriors and both the Grizzlies? Because we saw kind of a playoff sort of intensity atmosphere tonight versus the Grizzlies. Let's see, you know, are we going to see something similar from Draymond? You know, he's not as out of pocket as Dylan Brooks, but do you think that we're going to see some playoff intensity atmosphere type basketball, or is it just going to kind of be a sort of slow down uh, lullaby game? We'll see. 
Uh, comment what you think down below. That wasn't the best YouTube prompt I've given you guys, but I had to think of something on the spot. Otherwise, a really degrading loss for the Mavericks. But, you know, we got to move forward and just pray for good health. That's all we can do at this juncture in the season and see how far this team can get before we get to the offseason. Uh, otherwise, it's just a sad state of affairs over here on the Mainstream Mass podcast. But luckily, we'll have Jaron back for the next game. So hopefully that just is a biggest cure-all that I could ever ask for. But otherwise, uh, praying for good health uh, for the Mavericks and for every one of our listeners. And we will catch you guys in the next one.